0: Call the spec sheet now at 573-837-4948. This is The Spec Sheet with Curtis Thornton, the Internet's premier technology podcast. On this broadcast, we're accepting tech support calls only from middle-aged black females named Lois. Call the show now at 573-837-4948. That's 573-837-4948. And now, here's The Spec Sheet.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right. 573-837-4948 if you want to be on the show again. 573-837-4948. I thought I'd throw some uh, legacy classic era spec sheet bumper music at everybody. I'm that. It is a good feeling. I mean, to hear the old tunage, you know, it sort of takes you back to a different time, a simpler time, a more innocent time.
2: Back when Lois used to call and uh, give us our tech support questions that we could just knock you know right out of the park.
1: I never liked Lois, but I have to say I was always afraid to be honest about that because I didn't want anybody to call me a racist and uh, but I never liked her.
2: Well, Can- that is pretty racist of you because I'm a big fan of Lois.
1: Well, uh, her race was incidental to me not liking her. I just thought she was a real bitch <laughs> you know, <it's> just... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, the phone number. Well,
2: that, but that's not. I, I don't judge things like that. So,
1: <laughs> five seven three eight three seven forty nine forty eight. We have a chat room at ufoship dot com forward slash chat. Which, if you're hearing this live, you probably already know that. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast at ufoship dot com. Just click on the. Uh, well, it depends on what you're going to do, but when the show is posted, you'll see in the post a link to our RSS feed, which you can put in your podcatcher or whatever you use to have podcasts automatically sucked into your device. You'll be able to subscribe and have these shows placed on your device automatically. And, you know, tonight has really shown me something that I think uh, I think I can do podcasts even though I'm a father. You know, even though I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old, I think I can do podcasts because, you know, the, the two-year-old, she just turned two in uh, uh, September, no, July. I've got them switched. The other one is September. Good well, grief. What's know, that? As
2: long as you get it close.
1: As long as you can sometimes remember their names, you're good. You're golden. No, nobody's going to critique you. As and,
2: long as you keep a little bit of money in the bank so you can bail them out when they're older, that's all that really matters.
1: Oh, well, I'm failing miserably there. I... <laughs> You've got time.
2: There's, there's. You're not going to be bailing them out for any time. I don't for know how much time, time same, I so necessarily
1: have. I mean, I'm 37. And uh, I'm feeling every day of that age. Okay, let's not
2: go that direction, man. I don't need that. I'm a little bit older than you, and I have an eight-month-old baby. I don't think I can handle where this road is going to go
1: down. You're spry. Look at you. 72 (laughs) years old and still popping them out.
2: Well, you know, I am a big Art Bell fan. I'd like to uh, think that if he can do it at 103, I can do it at 72.
1: Oh, Curtis, why did you go there? That's low-hanging fruit. I, know you'd go, I knew you'd go in the Art Bell direction with that comment. Anyway, um, it's a pleasure to be with everybody and a pleasure to have you with us. It's been so long since we've sat and talked tech. It, it's almost as though there's a universe I've not been plugged into in a long time, and I almost feel the need to reacquaint myself with it. Even though I run a computer services company, and that's how I pay my bills, um, I still... There's something that, in the course of doing this show about tech, that it keeps you plugged into that whole, I guess, informational ecosystem. And when I'm not doing this, I begin to feel like I'm entirely unplugged. But, at the same time, I think another thing that's sort of pushed me away from tech, at least paying attention so much to tech news, is that everything in our society now has become politicized. And it's even made its way into tech news, and I, I it's become difficult to read tech news without seeing people express their political opinions in the course of reporting on whatever they're reporting on. And I, I've i just gotten to the point, and all of their opinions, by the way, are predictable and uniform, and it, 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 there's there are no surprises. I'm not saying that is specifically the reason I'm not paying so much attention to tech news these days, but... It hasn't exactly caused me to feel the desire to scroll down to the technology section of the Google News page whenever I'm taking a look at that, as I used to routinely do. It, it, it just seems that politics has infiltrated so many things. And, uh, you know, I hear people say that deep down every technology writer wants to be a political commentator. Every sports writer wants to be a political commentator. And I really am starting to believe that. It's <laughs> everywhere well, I look.
2: I think it's even more sinister than that. And it, politics happen to be the uh, point that it's connected to right now. But it's all at, technology at this point, like in a very overarching uh, generalization, it, it's all about advertising and clicks. And it's always been the case with the internet. That's nothing new. But. When it, when it comes to activating clicks in a world that is inundated with information, right now politics activates people quicker to click more often. And, and you're going to hear me say this probably a lot if we talk about any social media, but the echo chamber of tech news and social media and the smartphone industry, the smart home industry, you name it, all of that, it, it gets act, it, it gets activity. And it gets uh, prominence based on right now its connection to political points of view. So that's the reason why I think politics is so heavily ingrained in everything going on with tech. And then it's that way with a lot of stuff. Sports is just mired in political stuff that just doesn't need to be there. Like it take the whole point of sports is to get away from all of that, but it's gone now. It's not that way. Same thing with tech. Same thing with entertainment, all of it is so focused with politics because you get results when you talk politics right now. So something else will come along at some point. I have no idea what it will be, but it'll allow, maybe it's the economy again, uh, that dies down politics and takes the tech news another direction. But I feel like maybe if you want, what we could do is go back to like, like pick things up. Like we never dropped them. And by doing that, what I would say is what do you think of the keyboard on the new BlackBerry Bold 2? I'm, I think it was a, a really strong move on their part to keep the thumb track with the mouse for it. What do you think?
1: Uh, I mean, Curtis, is are you frightened that we might end up talking politics here and you're making a deliberate attempt to change the subject? Is that <laughs> no. what this is? Because I, I, I have no... I swear to God, I'm not, I don't want to talk politics, but I will say that I'm someone who used to check the Google News page probably something on the order of 20 to to 30 times per day throughout the course of my day. And I have not looked at that on a routine basis at all. You know what? Today, when I dug up news for what we're doing right now, today was probably the first time I have actively paid any substantive amount of attention to Google News, news news.google.com. And a really long time. I, 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 And so, I mean, you're saying that politics, because it's such a hot-button thing, because it's, it's such a triggering thing, because it's something that has such a profound, I don't know, there, there's such an energy behind it in terms of what it is that people experience when they're exposed to it, that that equals clicks. But I have to wonder how true that necessarily is for... Both both ends of the political spectrum. I think that people, for instance, as you alluded to in Silicon Valley, they do have a certain political predisposition. And I think that people who are of that predisposition may perhaps be more actively consuming that content as a result of the insertion of politics. We will get to the BlackBerry, by the way, because that actually is probably more interesting than 90% of the stuff I dug up here today. Um, it, it, it just seems to me that, yeah, it's something that really does almost forcibly engage people, but I kind of wonder, and I'm interested what you think about this, how much that applies to both sides of the political spectrum. I mean, I understand that like my situation is purely anecdotal that I'm presenting here in terms of my lack of use of news that google.com, but... I kind of wonder, I would love to see over the course of the last year and a half, maybe two years, what's happened to the stats, the user stats, the, the, the page, all of the stats that uh, sort of uh, quantify usage of Google's news page. I'd love to see what's happened to that over the course of the last couple of years. I have a hard well, time believing it's good. I guarantee it's down
2: because there's so many other channels to find that information that uh, Google doesn't have to be the connector for all that. While I would say news.google.com I'm sure is down, but just the Google search engine itself isn't. And that's because Google has a technology called AMP. And this drives me crazy how Google will do this, that they push for a new standard that no one else asked for, And no one else cares about, but they'll devalue your search ranking if you don't embrace it. So if you're a news organization going back at least a year ago, maybe two years ago, if you didn't embrace their AMP, which is a more mobile and quick way to get to metadata around news articles. So like if you're for any of the big major uh, tech or just news, like anything, any major outlet of information that relies on Google and syndication networks to get your information out, then you had to embrace AMP because you would lose search engine ranking. And what AMP will do is take your heavy page with lots of ads, lots of other stuff to it and simplify it into a a structured language that Google helped uh, write. I think it's open source, but Google is definitely a driver behind it. And with AMP, when you click those links on the, uh, the search window, you'll notice that, that there's a Google URL inside it and sometimes you'll click a link and you get something formatted different than the news agency you thought you're going to. Uh, but this is a way for them to quickly grab and push what they think is relevant information in almost real time to search engine uh, people. So say you search for iPhone uh, 8 Plus. Uh, I'm trying to uh, you search for iPhone uh, 8 Plus uh, bent case, then using AMP, they're able to not only find with their search algorithms what they think you want for it, but they're also able to find news articles and push those higher. And if that news agency has paid more to Google for ranking position, then they get a a bump from it too. So Google has definitely geared their search algorithm to support breaking news and real-time news more than it ever has in the past. So I think that helps with, uh, devaluing their news sites because they're just bringing it all into one big thing. They want that search box in your Google home device and your, your phone using the Google assistant. They want those to be able to provide you news as well as contextual search.
1: I'm of the belief that yeah, Google news is probably down, but I'm not, I, uh, yeah there may be something to the idea that it's that it there's so many sources from which to extract all of this information but I have to say it is just such a one-sided farce every time I go there it is just story after story after story explaining to you why you're supposed to hate the president and why it I mean it's just it is just so nakedly one-sided. And I would like to know what the technology is behind the mechanisms they're using to do that because I doubt there's a whole lot of human input in determining wh- where things are showing up and why I'm seeing them and when I'm seeing them or when I'm not seeing them.
2: Uh, well, the the first thing I'd say is Google is not open. I mean, there, there's not a human doing that, but there is a bias implied with the algorithms they do, like Google, is not an unopinionated source. Even though they're a search engine first, and then an advertising behemoth second, in uh, those two feed off of each other, they're, they get smarter with every search that happens. That's the value of people using it. <clears throat> but their their algorithms are designed to push the messages that Google wants, and they do not support the president. They're just like the opposite happened with the last president where they majorly supported him and they pushed out very pro obama information within their their news algorithms. So, I mean, yeah, they they're not uh, I can't think of the right word I'm trying to come up with here, but but basically they they are a biased player in this, and they all are. The 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 ironic thing is that Facebook, and I hate Facebook, even though I use it, but they are liberally biased but at the same time they're enough of capitalists that in their algorithms are tweaked enough to where they don't insert the bias as much politically and it's more financial but they'll create the echo chamber of if you're conservative conservative if you're moderate they'll give you moderate if you're liberal they'll give you liberal and they'll make a ton of money off the advertising for it and they won't mix the message for capitalistic reasons so you you end up getting something far worse out of it because you got a paid echo chamber in Facebook, but at least they give closer to unique information to each person in there. But I feel like we've got to be able to have a mix of everything and, and ultimately the the better written or the more well-written pieces are what should bubble to the top, but that's not the case. Like I, I want to read a good writer who I disagree with more than I want to read a bad writer who can write everything I agree with. And we don't get that anymore. The internet has destroyed the ability. Like the the whole goal of it was supposed to be this place that was a free and open exchange of ideas. And it is a lot of silos for you to f- find people like you. And mm-hmm. the more you type in what you like or want, the more it knows about you. And it's just this it's can't be ending. healthy
1: for human evolution. It's um, not at all. It, it it just seems to me that the presentation of news should be entirely. Random, Not random, I mean things that are no. happening should be brought to the fore, of course, but um, the perspective or the sources that are chosen in order to—like, for instance, the Washington Post shouldn't be the go-to source for everything that happens. It just shouldn't. I mean, and not because I have any personal problem with the Washington Post, even though I do because I view it as a CIA-run news organization— I don't view the Washington Post with any more specific credibility than I do Alex Jones. You know, it's just a polar ends of a spectrum. Um, but And they both serve an audience, but that, that doesn't actually have to be your
2: audience, or you don't have to be a part of those audiences.
1: I don't think it's healthy for nationalists or however people want to refer to themselves to be sitting all day long watching Infowars any more so than I think it's healthy to be sitting there if you're a globalist slash liberal watching msnbc all day long i i I don't think that's healthy for anybody and siloing yes we are at that point nobody is having their perceptions of the world uh challenged they are um, entirely able to insulate themselves from anything that deviates from their personal worldview um and i guess it's a little bit hard to uh, it's a little bit hard to attack people for allowing that or participating in it because I do, everybody does. I mean, do I see I tell you what man, on Twitter I'm I'm muting all day long. I I, I can't tell you how many people I mute who who follow me or that I follow. Anybody who follows me, I follow back. but there's a good chance that they're gonna get muted because I just there's just certain stuff. I don't want to see. You know, there are certain opinions that... It's not because I don't want to see those opinions. It's because I already know of those opinions. I'm already aware of the existence of those opinions. I've already considered them. I've already analyzed them. I've already factored them into how I see the world. And I don't need to see them again. I'm aware of their existence. But... I'm sure anybody you would ask would say something similar to that. They wouldn't ever come right out and say, I don't want to read things I don't like. Nobody's going to say that. They would have something a little more nuanced to explain why it is they're not uh, exposing themselves to things they disagree with. But I think it's really unhealthy for us intellectually, ideologically, politically uh, for everybody to be sheltered from news and opinions. I shouldn't even say news because news should not offend. News should just be an accounting of what's happening. But it's, it's so far past that. I think news really started to take a shit when every article started having a byline. Whenever the news got into this state of serving as a vessel through which otherwise anonymous people could become quasi famous i think that's when news really started to take a shit well, you. You, know, you look around look at every article you see on the internet it's got a byline it tells you who the author is if you go back to prior generations the majority of news did not tell you who wrote the story it was just the news nobody was becoming well, rich or i should i should say nobody was becoming famous typically as just a standard news article writer, nobody would answer with, I want to change the world when you ask them why they're getting into journalism. Journalism is supposed to be simply reporting what happened.
2: That's it. It should be exposing the world. The, the thing I would, would challenge to that is that it used to be editors were big personalities. So when you read a paper or an, a magazine or any kind of media outlet that was uh, in the written form, if you cared at all about any name within it, you cared about the editor and, uh, you cared about their point of view because that was going to affect what you got from the magazine or newspaper more than the, the, the writers themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and typically a good editor would <laughs> stay out of the way, but they, would have a slant. That was a bigger deal, but well, now editors aren't as big of a deal. And the writers are and part of that ends up being connected to the fact that a writer with the, in the internet age and with the 24 seven media cycle, uh, and the, the need for content to feed that is that a writer can bypass all of the traditional processes that used to be involved in going from breaking story to, uh, a real article with a real journalist behind it, because now you got to get it out quick and get it out first and then go promote it in every channel you can. So for the major news uh, agencies, I mean, I know this for a fact, it used to be when the, in the internet age, you would submit an article and that article would be no different than if you, you wrote it up and you passed it around through the office mail process. And then it would go to proofers it go to fact checkers, it'd go to editors, senior editors, and it'd work its way up to becoming an approved message. Now that that got compressed in the the print uh, daily news, but for you know, the bigger the publication, you know, times, things like that, the, the longer that process took. But today in the world of of news, you log into a system, you throw your article out there, you tag it in as a sensational of a way you can, unless you are a big name celebrity already, and then a system goes through to collect the tags that the editors or curators of content are interested in and it pulls them in. They do a quick check and push it out because same things happen in sports where you've got people who get paid tons of money to tweet about whether somebody is going to sign with a team or if someone's injured, like there, there's this rush to be the first to report it because you're going to get the most impressions from it. And then each person who reports the same thing and the, the accuracy of the report gets better for, you know, I would say it's an exponential quality increase. For each minute you wait to report something, because it gives you time to to vet it. But we don't have we don't get to do that anymore. You know, the journalists out there have to get something out first, and then deal with it later. Like uh, I'll go to all the recent tragedies uh, of the last ten years at least. If you if you've noticed, we've been conditioned by the news media, and I'm thinking more TV than than print at this point, to understand that first reports are wrong, whether it's what happened in Vegas what happened at Sandy Hook any of these different isn't things that isn't that just the
1: truth i mean yeah. really and and you're not even saying that necessarily necessarily is a critique of them it's just like a subconscious thing i don't know if it, whether it's deliberate on their part that we feel that way when we are initially exposed to news or not but that really is the initial gut subconscious reaction they, when you're exposed they say to that. news
2: but they say that now too like i was just listening uh through tune in to a couple of different news uh, channels today and you know you can focus in better i think when you're listening versus watching to whether it's cnn fox or msnbc uh, i think the tv gets in the way of hearing the message sometimes but but they were talking about how the the timeline of the vegas shootings has changed and been adjusted. And I'm not even going anywhere near conspiracy with that. We could have that conversation too, if you want
1: to. But... Some people believe <laughs> nobody even died. Can you, I mean, it's, it's like, come on, man. I'm yeah, so sick that, that, of that stuff.
2: The The conspiracy angles of these things used to be interesting from the point of view of watching or reading a good book or primetime, you know, some primetime mystery thing, but you don't necessarily have to believe it, but you can go down that road and you can see where it's going to take you. But now, like at this point, Two different news uh, agencies, TV channels, or TV networks had experts on talking about the current situation in terms of what what they understand for Vegas, and they were quick to remind us as viewers and listeners that first reports are regularly wrong, and that's been the case in everything. Like I can't think of a, a story big enough that stops everything, and that could be hurricanes, it could be the fires over in. California and anyone who's dealing with that, I'm sorry to hear that. That seems terrible from what I've seen online, which plays right into our old conversation. But but anyway, the first reports are so wildly wrong because it's file it, get it out there, deal with the 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 details will get fixed later. But we all know that's not true. Whatever the first thing you hear is what sticks in your mind, and there has to be massive efforts put into it to fix it, and that's that's the effect social media does to everybody posting stuff. Cause like I joined Instagram and Instagram is such a joke because everyone's quick to post the, like it's the worst case scenario of put the best face you can forward and present some image of your life. That's not real. That sort of was the way with Facebook, but Instagram is way out of control that direction. I'm sure there's others like that too. Like uh, Snapchat, I'm sure it's like that too, but I have no interest in going to that uh, tool to, to use it. But people put these false narratives out because the first narrative you get is the one that sticks in people's minds. So if you can convince people you're rich, you're beautiful, you're famous, you have the best ideas, people will follow you, and you never have to be legitimate again after that because you get enough followers and somehow you have instant legitimacy that you didn't
1: earn. You know, something you mentioned, Snapchat, and this is a bit of a subject change, but I don't really know what is going on with that. I mean, I always thought Snapchat is simply an app that allows you to send cockpicks without them remaining on whatever device received them. And now I'm seeing people who are on Twitter and their bio promoting their Snapchat handles, and I don't really get that. I mean, has Snapchat morphed into something more than I once understood it to be? Yes, but I,
2: I still have the same opinion you do of them. Uh, Snapchat. I mean, do they to want
1: a... to be Facebook? Is that what this is?
2: Yeah. no, listen to this though. So, so my my daughter, who's a teenager, wants Snapchat, and I've told her absolutely not. She cannot have that because I know the truth about what Snapchat comes from, what its its history is, and uh, like she was talking about different apps they've built that are supposedly for a younger generation. Like one of their apps. Tell me if this doesn't signify the downfall of society as we know it. With this app, that I can't think of the name of. You post a picture of yourself, and then people anonymously respond to your photo and rate it. So you get a chance. To, if what they describe it is, let's say you're a teenager and you want to you want to ask a question about yourself, you'll get honest, unfiltered responses that people would be afraid to tell you in person. That's that's but, the but, modern Snapchat.
1: But girls are becoming. Bulimic and anorexic because of magazines. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah,
2: isn't it? How, how does that get to the point of some PR person being able to say that with a straight face?
1: Yeah, that's really amazing. Here's this. We've got a system here. What you're going to do is you can have your teenage daughter come in. She's going to be told by everybody what a fat, disgusting pig she is. And it's wonderful. This is a new era we live in. Snapchat. I see no upside to that whatsoever. There's you, not. Well, sh- let's all... Uh, I mean, I don't care how pretty a girl is. I don't care how good-looking a guy is. You're going to receive incoming <laughs> if you sub- subject yourself to that. If you submit imagery of yourself in that context and that s- sort of system, you are going to walk away from it generally not feeling very good. And when we live in a time where people are not good at taking criticism anymore or coaching or direction because they view it as some sort of a personal affront. That can't have positive outcomes for people, that sort of thing.
2: That's a great point about criticism and coaching. like that. In a world where we've already begun to offload significant parts of our processing power to a device that we carry around us all the time, that's probably the saddest part to talk about with, For as excited as you and I both were and a lot of people who listen to this show about new and better technology and smartphones. We've ultimately offloaded some of the parts of our brain that also connected to an understanding of who we were in the real analog world. So when people start to criticize that analog world, we don't know how to process it because we can't get it over to the phone. And when you do get it to the phone, all you're going to get is vitriol and hatred. Like I think of like Reddit. I love Reddit and I hate it at the same time. But one of the things they do there, similar to chat, is the whole idea of roast me photos. So you post a picture of yourself supposedly relaxing, just hanging out, but in reality they probably took 50 photos before they got to the point Uh of the one they wanted to post. And then people roast you, and then you get all upset over the roasting that they did. I'm like, the reason you posted it is so you could get ripped apart. And you knew that when you posted it, you just didn't want to acknowledge it. And when it happened then you freaked out then then your glass jaw appears and you're screwed
1: damn it i had a comment ready for you and i lost it don't know what i was gonna say shit
2: well well i think we've activated Jackstar in the chat room because
1: uh because we, we think about... people died in las vegas yeah he's such a fucking idiot
0: that guy
2: well i think he should be excited he's he's two days away from the biggest moment in his life so what's that the, the release of the JFK documents. I think he, he's going to be in somebody's basement for days coming through that. And you, you know, better I, be able I to come back think, and tell us.
1: I don't think there's any way we're going to learn the first thing from those documents. I, I, I cannot believe that documents that would implicate someone in the CIA or someone in uh, the, the mob or Castro or the Russians – I don't think those documents could conceivably, in any universe, sit in a vault in the National Archives in the possession of the federal government of the United States and not be altered or destroyed over the course of almost, what, 60 years we're coming up on?
2: Yeah, no, I don't think there's going to be anything shocking that comes out of it. If anything, all we're we're going to get is the confirmation of things like CIA involvement in Cuba in terms of trying to take down Castro and how inept they ended up being with it. That's the type of stuff that this was a complete, like the, the ceiling of the vaults for it were uh, cover your ass because you failed so many times to enact the change that you wanted to. And the U S likes to believe that, that we are nation builders, but show me our, our positive track record of building a nation and having it turn out to be a thriving, Uh, center for democracy and free thinking.
1: I remember what my comment was. Now, you were talking about how everybody's walking around with this mobile computing device in their pockets, and we've offloaded a major percentage of our own need to expend brain energy in the course of our days. And where I thought you were going was to say that this has some sort of a physiological effect, because I I think it absolutely has to have a an effect on, the brain, on average brain chemistry. I used mm-hmm. to have to remember the names of actors. I used to have to remember the names of movies. I used to have to remember people's phone numbers. Forget all that other stuff. I don't even have to remember phone numbers. I still remember the first phone number I ever had in my life. Ever. Uh, yeah. Today? Tell me right now, Curtis, uh, what's your wife's? Well, that's probably... You probably know no, your wife's
2: phone number, but... I I, I I, do. I mean, I would have to I have to put myself in the pattern of saying it. But yeah, I mean, right now, I just... I, you'd almost I go, have to
1: use, like, uh, oral muscle memory yeah. to a point to produce that phone number. That sounds dirty, so yes, let's do that. That's why I said it. I, we've got to try and sell a little sex here, Curtis. That's what the yeah. uh, consultants have told me, the podcasting consultants that I routinely have lunch with, even though I've not done a show in months. Yeah, um, um, I still keep ratings, eating but... with them. I don't know why. It's uh, I <laughs> well, just enjoy the their... company of podcasting consultants or any form of consultant, really. Which, in all honesty, is whatever industry you're working in, probably the most useless breed of human being you could ever be exposed to. Somebody who calls themselves a consultant. Having worked in radio, I've been exposed to a lot of consultants, and my God, do every one of them fall in line into a cookie cutter set of recommendations that just they probably go to every radio station and say. And this is such a total aside. I used to work at a radio station where, uh, as news director, I had to go cover every city council meeting. And this was a small town, and it was kind of a dumpy town. and But this town had a casino, and they wanted to, I guess you could say— figure out how to make their town not look like such a pile of shit all the way up until the point someone finally arrives at the casino in their car. So they pay these consultants about $60,000 to come in, and at the end of it all, I sat there and listened to the presentation, and what did they tell these people to do? Clean up trash, get rid of the old abandoned houses that are along the main strip coming into town, beautify certain businesses... Try to diversify some of the businesses that are in the area, and I think there was one other recommendation that I can't I know even begin to remember. What was it? I, it, it build a monorail. <laughs> yeah, uh, this town I, I would it would be hilarious because this town would have had one car in their monorail that would only have had an occupancy of about three people on each use, and it would only have traveled about two miles. <laughs> That's do, do their you know monorail. What I'm referencing there. Uh, isn't the, it uh, what they're doing in California? N- no, The
2: Simpsons. One of the darkest but best episodes of The Simpsons is when they were playing off of oh uh, well, that old movie with the guy who comes in selling the city on this uh, what was it a uh, orchestra or something. But uh, oh gosh, what's that movie called? See, here's a perfect example of what we're talking about. But guy comes in. I think it was Phil Hartman, and he he's a consultant. And he sells oh, uh, yes, I remember that. on the monorail. Yep. And the thing is that it's such a dark commentary on how stupid people are. But that's exactly what I was thinking of with your example. <laughs> what do you need to do to make your town better? And here's what scares me. You just described my hometown, which means that there are towns littered all throughout at least the Midwest, if not more, that are just as stupid as that town you were reporting on the City council meetings for because they they all had the same consultants and the same casino and the same nasty streets lack of diversity in their businesses that same thing can be said okay so I'm gonna I'm gonna tangent off your tangent I, I used to think it was nice that when I would travel the country putting in computer systems and retail and restaurants and places like that and hotel systems that I could go to any city in the Midwest and expand out even a little bit farther east and west than the Midwest and You could drop me near a shopping center or a mall and I knew what businesses were going to be there. Like it was so cookie cutter that I had some level of comfort with it. And then if I wanted to explore a certain direction this way or that, that way I could start to break outside of the pattern in a predictable way and check out the local flavor of the the town. Ironically I could do the same thing in every town and do that. Uh, But that cookie cutter mentality is the exact problem we have. So we've, compartmentalized and simplified everything in the type of restaurants, the type of franchises a city has, the type of retail places, where do you get your iPhone? Where do you get your Android fixed? What's the best deal you get on your satellite TV? Those all exist in the same areas. Oh, then by the way, there's at least three payday loan places near it too. And there's a pawn shop too. Uh, And it has someone's first name as the first part of it. Like every city is the same and everything is being, I guess to use like a, developer type term. Everything is serialized now to where it's easy to put some input in and get some expected output of it. And, uh, that's so pervasive in every part of our society in, in America for sure. And I'm sure it's that way with tweaks to the system in every city and every country of the world that's d- been trapped by technology.
1: You mentioning that monorail reminded me of this. This really has nothing to do with tech, but, uh, Victor Orban, the uh, Prime Minister of Hungary, the BBC was doing a profile on the rise of nationalist movements in Europe. And it was, I think, maybe a couple hours long. And in this documentary, there's a rather lengthy segment on Orban and his relationship with the EU. And they're talking about how the EU paid... And they are offering this information as a critique of Orban... They're saying that the EU paid millions and millions and millions of dollars to build this rail system in Hungary that nobody uses and that goes right past Orban's home. And they're offering this as some critique of him as to explain what a jerk he is to people. And I'm thinking, you guys paid for this thing. You're the assholes. What's wrong with you? He's the smart one. He's saying, you want to spend a bunch of money in my country and employ a bunch of Hungarians to build this bullshit train rail line that nobody's going to use, but everybody's going to be fed for a couple of years building this thing. What am I going to tell you? No. And it's going to go right past my house, you schmucks. Yes. Come build this thing. That makes me the asshole. I just couldn't get over the perspective that these people had on... That interaction between Orban and the EU. The BBC, by the way, discussing news organizations—one of the biggest child molester protecting pieces pile of shit organizations ever to have existed.
2: I mean, if you're no agenda listener, then you've heard that brought up there several times. What? With the, their whole
1: the train thing with Orban?
2: No, no. The 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 second part of that, where uh, Adam Curry talks about his uh, radio station being burned to the ground because he tried to call out the the British uh, media's obsession with protecting people who have done harm to children.
1: I wonder I why that is.
2: Who it, I can't think of who it is. He talked about for talk. Jimmy Savile. That's it. Yeah. You're right. Yeah.
1: I can't, I can't, understand how that guy, this is so not related to tech, but I, I can't understand how Jimmy Savile maintained a role on British television for generations looking the way he did. He was such a creepy, awkward, weird-looking... It's 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 like if you took the kid from Mask, that, that old Cher movie, oh, and said, look, mm. we're going to put you on top of the pops. You're going to be introing tunes. That was all the Stoltz, right? Who all played the, that part. All the hip kids are going to be there hanging out with you. that You're going to be grooving. People are going to be socking it to you, as they say. It's going to be just so hip and groovy. What do you say? Are you in? Uh, is it, he, I don't understand how that guy stayed on TV as long as he did. Maybe British culture is different in that regard and that people don't necessarily have that sort of hang-up about the physical appearance of people in broadcasting so much. I don't know. I don't know how that guy stayed on TV. Just because well, I- of his appearance and his his demeanor, his, his mannerisms. Really creepy, weird guy who, by the way, Liked having sex with dead bodies. You know, the child molesting and all of that stuff, horrible enough as it is. This guy actually would go to hospital morgues and because of his connections would be given access to the morgue alone to do as he pleased with dead bodies. This guy was on British television for generations. Unbelievable. But yeah, the BBC is where you get your news, right? And by the way, doesn't the government in the UK force them to pay for the BBC? Isn't there a license fee? citizens have to pay every year do they i'm not sure i don't
2: i don't know the details for that i know it used to be a lot more restricted but at this point i hasn't star news or sky sorry sky news helped change that some i i don't know enough
1: to say for sure you were kind of talking about the curation of news and how things are delivered to us and isn't I'm...
2: that a sad thing though too really quick that there would be curation of news just like curation of music and I mean, tech. In tech, there's that big thing too, where you've got a lot of websites that used to be, like, I'd say Engadget, CNET. Those are more curation of stuff they think you would like versus here's the coolest stuff to talk about. But anyway.
1: Well, you were talking about that, and I found this story that says Facebook is going to start banishing pages. And by pages, I mean. Items on your news feed that are not personal items submitted by one of your friends. These are uh, news pages containing news stories. If somebody shares a news story to Facebook or what have you, or maybe I guess even if you are if you've liked a particular news organization and those items that they uh, the content they generate would consequently show up uh, in your news feed. That stuff is. Uh, Facebook is now experimenting with banishing all of that stuff to some tab they've created that you have to dig through to get to it called Explore Feed. And they say that they're just trying to figure out what it is that people want and how to keep their news feeds from getting clogged up and how to make Facebook a better experience for everybody as we all stay connected. We're all so connected now. Connected, connected, connected. That's what I've always hated about Mark Zuckerberg. No matter what he's talking about, no matter to whom he's speaking, no matter what month of the year it is, no matter what he's done over the last year, all you hear from his the hole in his stupid face is the word connected, connected, connected. I am not impressed by that. And somewhere along the line, I guess he decided he sounds like a brain surgeon by talking about how connected everybody is. And that's just the... The sort of uh, vernacular that I guess floats around in the culture of that company. Everybody wants to be connected. Everything's connected. Well, guess what? Sometimes it's nice to be disconnected. Sometimes I want to but- smash this phone with a hammer. This phone is not necessarily always a good thing in my life. Can I, uh, I, can't even, I, I shudder to think how much of my time has been absolutely wasted, how much of my productivity has been just drained as a result of this stupid device in my pocket which, by the way, is why I do not operate with a Facebook app on my phone. I do have a Facebook account. It's for a very limited series of reasons that I have it, but I don't use the Facebook app. I just go to the Facebook web page because I don't even want that process running in the background on my phone. I don't want whatever user data is being funneled into that stupid organization being funneled into them. And if I simply visit Facebook through the web browser on a mobile device you get, as far as I can see, largely the same experience. I mean there's nothing there's 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 no deal breaker, I'll put it that way. So why have that process even running on your phone? It seems like it's something that I I, I mean, if you're worried about nineteen eighty four and its encroachment upon our lives, then get the Facebook app off your phone. I don't really <laughs> want them knowing where I'm going, when I went there. When I understand that Google already knows all of that stuff, but you know what, at least I can point to certain advantages of Google having done so. And that's all manageable, by the way. I can go into my account settings and I can determine what information, at least that's what they're telling me I can do, yeah, that I can go thing. in and I can limit what it is they're receiving. And at that point, I if I don't believe that, then I just have to stop using a smartphone, really.
2: I mean, if, don't if believe it. Because
1: I don't but, believe it, but I mean, at least they're making me feel good, Curtis. That's all I'm trying right. to convey to you.
2: <laughs> let, let me tell you this: if you don't, uh, there are actually a couple things. First, if you don't contribute to the collection of better data about how you live your life and how you react to the feedback loop that's created by you living your digital life, you're harming your children's children. Because I, it took me a while to totally understand this, but computers are a great. Div- like computers and laptops, desktop computers, servers, uh, again, laptops. These are great devices for companies to collect information about us and affect the way we use things. But nothing is a machine learning input device more than a phone because a phone connects everything that you need in terms of context, where you are GPS-wise, where you are, in a store what products are near you what are other phones doing around you what's on the tvs what's on the radios what's the conversation being had two
1: aisles away is your light turned on at the moment yes i mean it stuff that granular what temperature yeah, is it in, in the room what's the barometric pressure where you are what elevation are you at right now are you yeah, moving so... Are i mean is there is there any g-force being force being applied to your phone at the moment uh what are the other all the other bull crap metrics that they can
2: really know? quick so so like you, you you joke there about google and whether they know what you're you're doing or not you can turn it off your gps you have no idea what kind of radio connection and what it's feeding back to radio towers because they don't have to tell you that because that's the way that's managed and the memory it's managing is different than the memory that's in your operating system and they just have to report what the operating system is doing. And there could be a subroutine running somewhere else doing that. So the, the the thing is that all of this, all this data it's collecting is also triggered to the point of the actions you do on your phone. And it was brought up in the chat room. And I was glad to see it because I was going to mention it too about our search is misspelling your phone and Google and everyone else, Siri on the Apple side, they understand your misspellings too, because they've understood all these other misspellings. And when a person misspells a word and then they click the corrected link, they just informed an algorithm that, yes, you did a good job of matching this. And it just keeps getting better and better and better. And ultimately this is going to make the forced upon experience that technology gives our children and our children's children. It's going to do a better job of predicting predicting what it thinks they want, but also they will be well trained to accept whatever it gives them to. And I would say 1984 is an important book to read to understand how the state will use technology in nefarious ways. But a more important and scarier book is iRobot. because the if you haven't read iRobot and you don't know the final group of stories within it and the zeroth law, then I don't want I don't want to be the one to spoil it. But that is our future, and it's already too late.
1: Well, getting back on the, the, the actual reason we started talking about Facebook here, the reason I did was because in six countries, Sri Lanka, Bolivia, Slovakia, Serbia, Guatemala, and Cambodia, what Facebook is doing is they're banishing pages to this Explore feed that you have to dig to get to. And so just in the... Standard course of watching items filter down the page and come across your newsfeed. You'll no longer see these things. And as I said a moment ago, they assert, they maintain that it's because they are going to try and give people a better user experience. Meanwhile, the companies who run these websites that are no longer showing up in newsfeeds in these particular countries, uh, websites, news websites, or various other forms of content producers who are predominantly consumed by people in these six countries have seen their traffic drop by something on the order of 90%. As an aside, that points to what a dangerous set of circumstances it is should you allow your business model to hinge on the whims, the capricious and arbitrary day-to-day machinations of a company like Google or Facebook, if you if you have a business model that depends on these people, you're setting yourself up for big problems. I'm personally experiencing that with Belgab because I can't tell you it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And in fact, about I think a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, I thought that Belgab.com was going to have to stop using AdSense altogether because I just got a slew of, of demands from AdSense all at one time so much so that they actually turned off AdSense on Belgab there was no AdSense displayed on Belgab oh, really? for a period of about a week and a half because of the situation and i i really believed i was just going to have to stop using AdSense and turn to some sort of a user financed model which may or may not work and if it didn't that'd be the end of the website so what everything comes to an end but fact of the matter is I'd like to keep it going and like to keep things funded and keep it at the very bare minimum self-financing. As long as it's a a zero balance, nobody's in the red at the end of the month, I'm happy. But what they're doing is stuff like, for instance, there was a user who had an avatar that was just simply a large-breasted woman wearing a bikini top. And I got a message from AdSense telling me that I either have the option of removing ads from every page on which that avatar appears, or I can remove the avatar. There was no nudity. There was no <laughs> pornography. There was nothing sexually suggestive other than just simply the fact that it was a woman with large breasts and a bikini top, and I, for three hours, had to wrangle with Google, Google finally making my way into uh, a uh, conversation with a... I don't. A compliance officer. I think they were referred to as, and I said, "Look, is is it AdSense's position? Is it Google's position that the female form is inherently pornographic? Because I can see no other conclusion to draw from this situation. This is just a woman in a bikini top. There's nothing pornographic here. But according to what you guys are telling me, it is inherently pornographic for a woman." to be seen in a bikini top. This coming from Silicon Valley, from the West Coast, from California, the home of global pornography. The, uh, the it, you know It's a slice well, of our country, of our society, that's supposed to be liberal and modern and uh, progressive and open and free thinking. And all of these concepts, I thought, as I grew up, would lend to the idea that I could have pictures of naked women or naked men or naked hermaphrodites or gay midget porn or whatever it is I want to have on my website, and nobody's going to have anything to say to me about it. But, no, that's apparently not the case. Eventually, they conceded that it wasn't pornographic and they paid me $50 for my time, But and that was nice to have $50, but at the same time... It really was a turning point for me in terms of my perception of AdSense and Google as a whole. I, I, I realized in that moment, this company is running the entire Internet. This company is is running a brilliant shadow operation that no one is seemingly consciously aware of or talking about. That, man. that is completely and totally controlling what it is you see on the Internet what you don't see on the Internet, on websites that they absolutely have no ownership of, have no financial incentive to, uh, you know, they they have no fiduciary interest in these websites whatsoever. They don't own them, yet they are explicitly controlling what content it is that you're allowed to see. I'm telling you, people listening to me right now who also happen to be users at Belgab have no idea the things I have dealt with. Behind the scenes with Google, you want to know why it is that I'm not going to turn your Bellgab donations down if you submit them? Because I spend a lot of personal time dealing with Google to keep your fa- your posts and your threads from having to be deleted. I-, I spend probably an hour each week preventing your posts and your photos that you've uploaded or submitted from being deleted from the forum. And I never have bitched about that before. I never have mentioned that before because I didn't want it to look like an appeal for donations. What it is is simply a statement of fact. A lot of people don't know that's happening behind the scenes, and it is.
2: Yeah, well, the, the other dark, like what you just said is just it's BS for trying to run a forum. A, a closed part of the open internet shouldn't have to deal with that. It's ridiculous. But, but there's a darker part to this, too. So they paid you $50 for your time and lost efforts. In reality, they got hundreds, if not thousands of dollars worth of valuable time because what shut you down was the Google image algorithm. No, it wasn't.
1: It wasn't. That's what's the most disgusting thing about this, Curtis. I found out that a human manually approved what the algorithm's original conclusion was. Yeah. I
2: get that too, but there's more value in having a very conservative approach to, to questioning the algorithm, because depending on the force of your return back to them, that's valuable data. Now, everything you did gave them more data points to be able to know what to do the next time and the next time and the next time. So the $50 they gave you is chump change in terms of what they make off of AdSense anyway, but it's also chump change in terms of the real valid data of someone who's truly upset of a response that an algorithm gave them. And yeah, I I understand that a person had to click a button to say yes, but that person has been trained to trust the algorithm. And if there's any kind of question on it, like if if this seems like it's uh, okay, yeah, they probably screwed up here, but go ahead and say it didn't screw up because if no one responds or reacts to it, if there's no real world effect to this, that includes all the efforts you went into, then we want to trust the algorithm going forward. So what happened to you is happening. It's being multiplied many, many times by many people out there. And that's so valuable to them because it's going to make their system require less and less people over time. And they develop systems and, and you become part of a segment. And, and your segment turns into more segments, and it's it's just this, it's this nasty growth. Okay, so Google is a growing organism right now, and cell division is occurring every time a moment like yours happens, and it's evolving into something different. And I'm not saying it's going to take over the world in some kind of crazy Terminator, Skynet way. But it will no.
1: impregnate your wife. We just want to put that out there.
2: Well, that's true. I mean, in full disclosure, it will impregnate her. But... But at the same time, what it will do is there's going to be a time in your life or, again, in your kids' or your kids' kids' life that they're going to get up from their couch. They're going to go to a store and they're going to – well, they didn't go to a store. They're going to get in their car. They're going to go somewhere, and it's going to be connected to a grocery store, and that grocery store is going to give them supplies or an Uber is going to deliver the supplies to their house. They, don't, they didn't care about the, the groceries they just got. They didn't care about the milk they just got. But the algorithm said they needed it. They trust the algorithm. So they got the milk. They got the groceries. They're going to use it. There's going to be a time when a machine comes into your house and cleans your house for you because it thinks you do better and spend more money on groceries when your house is cleaned at a certain date and time. There's so many parts of our lives that seem mundane right now that are putting data points into a computer, and that computer is going to start telling us at some point when these things will happen. Instead of reacting to us, it's going to start, and it's already happened. Politics, going back to the beginning of our show, the reason tech is interested in politics is it's a great way to see activated people and to see where you can twist people and turn them. So like I I majored in political science. It's it's the idea of going to a group of people, understanding where they think they are, and then what steps you can do to make them go some other direction. And it could be just a random direction because you want to see, okay, if I tweak this survey, if I tweak this messaging, can I get a segment of the population large enough To give me a majority or it's here's my message I've been paid to promote this message so now how can I get a segment of the population to do this which creates positive feedback for my message so all these things are little data points are going into it and it's freaking me out because it's the the truth is that we are part of a system that is evolving around us and with us and we're evolving too at the same time but we no one At a large level, is taking the time to figure out why or how.
1: Let's take a break. This is the spec sheet, 573-837-4948 if you want to call in. We'd be happy to answer your tech support calls or just talk about whatever. Particularly if it has to do with tech. I will put that qualifier in there. 573-837-4948. We'll be back in just a little bit. This is the spec sheet.
0: Call the spec sheet now at 573-837-4948. This is a very special edition of the Spec Sheet with Curtis Thornton. On this broadcast, each listener will receive a complimentary pre-owned 10-gigabyte IBM IDE hard drive. No need to call about the drive. We have your information. To speak with Curtis, call now at 573-837-4948. That's 573-837-4948. And now, here's the Spec Sheet.
1: All right. This bumper tune here, by the way, is by... The Satellite 4, which is Eric Daw's band. Eric Daw did The Fret Files, which was a guitar podcast. It basically is a podcast that focuses on the physicality physicality of guitars. Um, building them, repairing them, whatever. Even playing them. And that show is no longer on UFO ship. Um, and it's largely because I threw the C-bomb at Eric's wife on multiple occasions. It's It's a tick I have. No, I'm kidding. It's because he just kind of wanted to have his own website and do his own thing and his own branding and make things more his show-centric, which I can totally understand. So while you can no longer hear the fret files at ufoship.com, if you just go to fretfiles.com and check out that podcast, you'll be able to uh, enjoy it still today. And even better is the fact that Rather than a monthly show, as was the case when it was on UFOship.com, it's now a weekly show. So I highly recommend people check that out. And man, it is not easy to do a weekly show, particularly when you're doing the type of show he's doing, which is heavy on information, heavy on listener participation. you got to integrate all that stuff into the show. Not easy, so hats off to him. He's doing something that I wouldn't be capable of doing right now, uh, unless I were actively receiving an income from what it is that i'm doing you know if i were getting paid to podcast curtis on a regular basis i would totally dig doing this every day for three or four hours i could do this for three or four hours every day if i were being paid to do it and you would not get complaint number one from me but you know things like this when you're not getting paid they're what we we, we refer to as hobbies and uh so i don't really know what my point is there other than to say he's doing a weekly show and i don't think I could ever pull that off in this day and age. Although I remember in the early days of the spec sheet, in the early days of the Michael Van Dieven's Radio Trainwreck show, earlier days of the Gabcast, a lot of those shows I did a really good job at largely keeping up with a weekly schedule but I don't know how I did that. I really don't. I mean Curtis, do you think that uh, you are at a place in your life where you could do a weekly show?
2: No, because I do a weekly... Football show, and the only reason that works is because it's only during the football season. <clears throat> it's got like a defined start and end to it, and then there's a bunch of time off in between. So it's not so bad when you do that because you get a big break from it. <clears throat> but in there's no way I could do that every week uh, throughout the year. I mean, it's just how are your listener
1: uh, stats? I mean, you don't have to give me exact numbers if you don't want to. But are you guys uh, are a lot of people listening to your show?
2: Uh, we we got. We had a bump about, well, last season it got pretty good where we actually were getting some random people calling in that weren't sort of you know, floating around in the bell gab world only. There are people who are finding us, and that was a cool time. But again, because of the break that happens, people who don't play in our pool don't follow us. You need so to find we, some
1: way to keep doing content in the off season.
2: Yeah, that's the, the problem, that we, we talk about it. That inertia
1: just breaks and
2: you're screwed. Well, and then there's this.
1: You cleaned the wrong toilet, buddy. <laughs> I, I, went, I went through that sound. God, I wonder what I was talking about there. I, I went through that soundboard twice the other night, just cracking up, not so much at myself, but just A, the fact that somebody spent the time putting together a soundboard of me and B, listening to the differences in my energy levels from clip yeah. to clip, and the differences in audio quality or characteristic from clip to clip, it was really funny. Although uh, I will say that user has been summarily banned from Belgab for producing that soundboard. And, I think uh, I can sit in front of a microphone and talk. Sorry, No, I'm just. I wasn't pausing because you interrupted. I'm just thinking, what was I talking about when I said that?
2: Here, wait. Listen to this. Okay, I'm just going to play. A random selection of some of my favorites, okay? Right. Is it such a
1: sin not to like white people? <laughs> monkey123, baby. What's monkey123, baby? Me, that was me telling somebody what password someone was using or what password people should use. Or, I don't know, I, I think I was facetiously suggesting what password somebody should use in some circumstance. I don't
2: know. Okay. How about this? There's no reason not to believe that. There's no reason not to believe that. It's a double negative.
1: Um, no, there
0: I don't think no so. Because you're saying to. there's
1: no reason to disbelieve something. So I'm saying there's no reason to lack belief in something.
2: Yeah. It's just funny when you read it and then you hear it. It's just like, <laughs> it's so
1: funny. Well, because of the intricacy and the complexity of my brain, I'm able to, in real time, sort the syntax of that out and have it make sense to me.
2: You're a better man than I am.
1: Your shopping cart full of brown dongs.
2: Okay. (laughs) I don't know, man. (laughs) I
1: don't know what I was talking... Is this really me?
2: Uh, It's an algorithm. to, To call back to earlier, this is not you. This is an algorithm that radioactivity created of you, but then there's
1: this. You could become a serial killer. There's got to be some service out there where you can read a selection of text and it takes your voice and... There is. Okay.
2: I know where you're going. Yeah,
1: you can totally do that. I want books read to me only in my voice. I can't take (laughs) it with any other voice. It's got to be me!
2: That's the world we're moving towards, man, to where people don't they want only what makes them comfortable.
1: You know, <laughs> you said that's the world we're moving towards. And I thought you were playing another soundboard of me at first.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I muted that channel. I, I, I mean, people are not being
1: of- exposed to Twitter posts. They don't want to see. They're not being exposed to news. They don't want to see now. They can even hear themselves reading to themselves. They look like idiots. Way to go. I, my only Good. critique of the soundboard would be, uh, as a result of my now, uh, 20 years of audio production experience, some of the ends, when you're editing clips like that, you don't ever want to just cut it at the end of the clip, or at the beginning. You want a quick, ultra-fast fade-in at the beginning, and an ultra-fast fade-out at the end as opposed to an abrupt clip. Because if you don't do it that way, you're going to get a snapping sound that in many cases is audible uh, as the waveform gets clipped in the wrong place like if you are editing audio and you've got the peak and then it goes down across the center line and then you've got the trough uh you want to cut it right on the center line exactly and if you don't you'll hear that clip sound and a good way to uh you know, sort of obviate that problem is just simply to do a really quick fade in really quick fade out and it'll sound buttery smooth and that would be my, one of my only critiques the
2: Everything you're saying is correct. I really could have a podcast with you or I could just have you talk to yourself.
1: Well, if that's really what you believe, then I have brought almost nothing to the table over the course <laughs> no, of all of these years. <laughs> no. You, you've said enough
2: you've said enough things that they're now responses on the soundboard that the little bit that I contribute to it can be summed up in a, a snappy comment you've made in the past, is what I'm saying.
1: What's the is there an easy URL to send people to? In
2: order to hear I'll, these. I, I'll put it in the chat room, but yeah, it really needs a better one. I, I I would be willing to host that on... Well, I think it's not a really good domain for it, though. I, I'd put it on what do IP. I, I'll put com. but that's still not... That doesn't fit the purpose for it as well as maybe like... I uh, better not say it because
1: we'll keep it free of that. Never mind. I'm, I'm going to take a look here at my domain names. I forgot what... I'm just
2: going to say... You know somebody who has gotten into the business of registering and trademarking things. Maybe you should talk to them because there might be something in their stable of domain names that would be uh, useful for your voice to come up in multiple
1: scenarios. How about if I just point michaelvandeven.com to that page? There you go. I think that's totally reasonable.
2: I mean, you get that's one of the few times with a domain name. That you actually get what it is you're expecting, you know.
1: Sorry. Um. You know, the thing well, is, though, my last name. Really, it seems on the surface, if you as you say to somebody Van Deven, you would think that that's going to be pretty easy to spell. But I don't think a lot of people have a lot of luck with that one. You hear people like people calling me vanderveen or vanderhoven or vander whatever <laughs> yes. there's no vander there's no vander in the name i mean wait
2: you're that guy who uh, kidnapped and killed that girl back in the was it barbados or something vander or something
1: you're on vandersloot
2: yeah that's it i'm impressed by your ability to smartphone like pull that out of thin air out well, of the cloud
1: well ask me about star trek i'll tell you about dr Leia Brahm. uh
2: is that the first Doctor from the... Uh,
1: That's the Doctor the, that Jordy fell in love with oh, in the okay. holodeck. Yeah,
2: I re- we've talked about when, this before. When you thought
1: I was absolutely a virgin because I was able yes. to remember that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I remember that so well. Well, uh, Does it make you feel any better that I I got to be in the same room and have a Twitter conversation at the same time with Mark Hamill last week? Like the seven-year-old me was so happy to to actually be in the same room as Mark Hamill. What? And for him to What help. happened? I was at a conference in Las Vegas last week, and Mark Hamill was the uh, – he wasn't the keynote. He was like the celebrity speaker for it, and so he had a and a session. And before that, I tweeted to him some stuff, and he responded back to me, and now I, I've become chat buddies with Mark Hamill on Twitter. <laughs> I've actually communicated multiple times with him. It's like, wow. That's like, that's the dude who I wanted to be the fake version. He played on a screen. And now I get to interact with him on Twitter and I got to meet him in person.
1: I'm looking in the chat room. What do the pluses next to people's names mean? That they have a voice in the chat. What does that mean?
2: Uh, that means that many Fang has given them rights right above being a guest, which I think a guest can still chat, but you don't have as many restrictions. So what can they do? I really don't know what they can do other than... Do they know that there's...
1: they have these extra abilities? I mean, do a single one of these people understand the power that they've been granted? No.
2: I mean, maybe Brig does, but she's a special breed. She knows a lot more than...
1: She owns the Belgab Genesis device. There's no exactly. way she, what... does. she does. There's no way she's not plugged in to pretty saying. much whatever's happening anywhere and everywhere. I forgot to c- complete my thoughts on this Facebook thing earlier. So they're banishing pages, uh like news stories and whatnot, to this Explore feed tab. And they gave their reasons why. And we talked about how it's affecting all of these various news organizations that primarily cater to people in the six countries where this is happening. And Facebook gives their explanation. They say they're trying to address user experience. I think what they're doing is preparing for the 2018 and 2020 elections to implement some sort of mechanism to control what news it is that people see and what news it is that's shared with people on Facebook. Just in the course of going to facebook.com, you see your wall, no input on your part at all. You're just presented with whatever you're presented with. I think they want to have a direct hand in what it is that you see there um, and, and to make you work in order to see the things that they don't want you to see. I firmly believe that that's ultimately where this is headed. Yeah, so
2: back in college, one of my professors built a statistics program for tracking all kinds of political statistics for people, and he would have freaked out if he had known that something like Facebook was going to be available in the future, that people readily share all these data points that allow them to target things for you. But yeah, what you just said is totally correct. This is completely... Defined to prepare them for that next step of controlling elections. Like people always said, that voting devices getting hacked was the scariest thing to happen. But look at how many times already Facebook has influenced elections, and that's not unique to the U.S. Anyone who thinks it is is they 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 have a a dim view of how technology affects the entire world.
1: YouTube provides a close up look at the iPhone X ahead of launch. From inside Cafe Max, whatever the hell that is. This guy, who's apparently an Apple employee, filmed himself and I believe his daughter messing around with his iPhone X. And I'm just wondering, is he going to remain employed? I mean, is (laughs) uh, is this something you do as an Apple employee? just put a video of their flagship product up on YouTube. I mean, apparently the author of this article doesn't think so because they say, um, oh yeah, see, the video has been removed. As of an update earlier, the video has been removed. and But they are telling people that, hey, if you want to see this video, you go, better go see it before the thing's pulled down, which seems to me to imply mm-hmm. that Apple has no interest in this being on YouTube unless maybe they do and they're just pretending they don't. I, I can't imagine an, an employee being that out of touch with the culture of his company or the, the the culture of the tech industry enough so that they would go out and post their company's flag, flagship product on YouTube and expect to uh, have a parking pass when they show up to the campus the next day. That's pretty difficult to believe. Are you um, at all interested in the iPhone X? Are you still using iPhone, or did you bounce back to Android? It's been a while since we've talked about anything like that.
2: I've got both. I use both. For I'll bet work, your I Android, Android is work, right? Yeah, I use Android for work, and I use iPhone.
1: So really, your Android's home. not really by choice. It was handed to you.
2: Yeah, but I, I still find myself using it. Like The nice thing about the Android, because it's uh, a Galaxy, that the the... Even though the newer iPhones are dust and water resistant, it's so nice when I'm going to be doing something that has water. I trust the Samsung more, so I'm more likely to grab that. Even though the camera is great on on my Apple phone, it, I mean you can't beat it. But I prefer to use the Android as often. Not as according I can. to Business
1: Insider, they say the uh, Pixel two uh, Pixel two XL beats the eight plus camera wise. Yeah.
2: But, but the Pixel two is not exciting in any way. Like I want I've been looking for a reason to go with a Pixel and I and I don't dislike the Pixel, but the most innovative thing they came up with for it was to use I think it's HTC's squeeze to open feature. Um No. <laughs> squeeze to
1: open, what is this?
2: Yeah, so Google has locked it down on the Google phone, but the HTC phones that are coming out have this feature where you can squeeze the side of it and you can define based on the pressure of how long and hard you squeeze your phone, you can define shortcuts with it. So it's a new way to interact with your phone. Like when you're holding it, you can open up something, you can undo whatever you want to define the action. But on the, the Pixel, when you do the squeeze feature, all it does is uh, open up Google Assistant. But that's got to be the dumbest interaction I can think of. I'll probably find myself doing it once I do use one of these or when Apple steals it in three versions. But I yeah, just, I don't know. The Pixel 2 doesn't have me super excited. Even if it does have a better camera with just one camera, the problem is it's using software to do everything where the Apple Plus phones are using two cameras so you can just get an optically better image. But I've seen some pretty amazing things done with the Pixel 2 Business as well.
1: Business Insider says that Apple has injected photographic warmth into the imagery to such an extreme that it's actually resulted in what they would categorize as inaccurate coloring they said that oh. in order to get the warmth effect they are injecting yellows into the photography into the photos and what it and, and you can really see it like on the facades of buildings and surfaces like that
2: yeah i believe that's true I i wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised by that, but you do have access to that original image and I like the two cameras, but
1: when it comes to, (laughs) what do you mean you have access to the original image?
2: Like what you're seeing on the screen is the result of them doing some things to the photo. But if you were to pull the image out of there and, and drop it into Photoshop or Lightroom or whatever tool you want to use, those are two Adobe ones. But, uh, so you're saying
1: you, you, that there's no, there is processing on the photo if I see it on the screen, and not if I pull the file.
2: No, if you pull the file, that like the default save will be that, but you can save the raw image too.
1: Oh, okay. So this comes but, but down what, to whether it supports raw format or not, which it does.
2: Well, it, it's when I say raw, it's not raw technically, but you have access to that photo without their trying to make it look even better than it really is. <clears throat> My V20 Stop. does. <clears throat> Does it really?
1: Yeah, I I have to say the V20 is probably the most criminally overlooked phone in the Android universe. Great screen, although I had to return my, exchange my previous V20 because it had image ghosting issues. You would just swipe down and you'd still see little doodads that were up there before you swipe down. (laughs) It's not good. (laughs) And it was particularly pronounced when the screen was dimmed. Um, but it's it's got a nice big beautiful screen. It takes uh, great photos. It's got a dual camera, dual flash. It has uh, a great fingerprint reader. It uh, the the thi- the area where this phone really shines is in the uh, quad DAC digital. It it it's got really great audio chips. It's a great audio chipset in here, uh, more so than. Uh, what basically what it comes down to is it has the ability to drive a pair of headphones, unlike most phones you'll find out there. Uh, you take
2: a. Big... Is it doing that with a digital analog? So you're plugging in a headphone. What oh, is it doing? Some...
1: No the, it's doing this through the uh, eighth the mini TRS standard headphone right. jack. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah.
2: Well, because the other thing about the Pixel is that they've dropped the the headphone jack and replace that it is not C. acceptable
1: to me. I can't believe people are accepting this idea of headphone jacks being dropped. Hey. I, you know, my iPhone without one, I hate it. And I hate the fact that I have to
2: use this extra dongle to use any other headphones besides the lightning ones that came with my phone. Cause I'm not going to go buy another head, set of headphones with a lightning port. Cause I, I know they're a dead end because everyone in the world already can forecast that Apple is one or two, Versions away from switching to USB-C because they've already done it for the MacBook Pro. If the, and if they've done it for the MacBook Pro, it's a matter of time before they do it on the phones too.
1: Ra in the chat says AirPods, baby. I guess, but aren't they like a lot of? Aren't they expensive? One hundred and fifty yeah, dollars. Yeah, and it's really hard to get them from what I hear. They're they're backordered in production. I don't know if they're having material
2: issues or. Uh, I think they're easier now. I've been seeing people like the conference I was at. I would say one tenth of the people who had Bluetooth headphones were using airpods
1: that 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 type of headphone has just never felt good in my ear anyway I've the only kind of other than like giant cans that go around your ears like I'm wearing right now uh, the only other type of headphones that I can tolerate are the kinds that have like the rubbery nipple on the end that you actually just push into the center of your ear they don't like rest on the surface of the canal like uh maybe the ear pods whatever the ear pods is that what they're called air air pods Do, i don't really know what the shape of the actual they're, they're just
2: like the they're just like their regular ear pods just
1: round and flat
2: yeah oh that's and, horrible yeah i i've switched to using in-ear monitors when i'm doing podcasting so uh so it's got that uh, noise dampening suctions right into your ear. Mm-hmm. I'm using, sure, I think S215s, which aren't, they're, they're like the mid range in ear monitors, but I love them. They're so much better. Like, I, when I was flying out to Vegas, I used those to create a, you know, basically a seal around my ears to not have to listen to all the kids screaming around me. But to use my iPhone with it, I had to have that dongle connected to it, and it just annoyed me. If you
1: want a really good seal around your ears, um, especially if you're listening to, I don't I don't really think, I mean, these headphones are okay for music, I guess, but they really shine with speech. And the huge advantage here is that I just took them off so I can't hear myself and I feel weird because of that. But um, it's the Extreme Isolation EX29, Extreme Isolation EX29. Look these up. Because uh, the entire purpose of these is to isolate external sounds and um, prevent... For instance, when we've used Mumble in the past, that was one of the primary reasons I got these. Because Mumble, we didn't have it doing the noise cancellation wizardry in the background that Skype does by default automatically... And so you would hear yourself. It was just really bad. Um, And these headphones entirely prevent that. And so if you're in a situation where you want to be able to isolate external sounds and prevent internal sounds from escaping your headphones into the environment, but you don't want little buds that you push into your ear or whatever, I highly recommend that you take a look at these. Uh, The Extreme Isolation EX... 29 i uh i think i paid 50 or 60 bucks for these i can't remember uh pretty good you see,
2: the, the, the reason i like the in-ear monitors too is on like video then you don't see any headphones on me it doesn't unless i turn to the side and you see you know just like uh on tv when someone has i can't think of name of that now they're in ear.
1: what a relief the, we've oh. been saying for years if only we could not see headphones on curtis and now it's become reality
2: yeah, I know. It's it's great, isn't it? Now, for nine ninety nine, you all could see me on video, too, because I do Skype sessions. I'd be glad to uh, sit and put you to sleep anytime you want.
1: Okay, so the Pixel 2 XL isn't exciting at all, but, you know, I mean, how many iterations are we into the iPhone? 10 or 11 at this point? Uh, are we even that far, I
2: think? Well, yeah, I guess if you count the
1: S's. Yeah, I mean... Uh, like- I mean, Here's, I, I can't really see how the case would be made for excitement on that side of the fence either, necessarily. Well,
2: the, the iPhone X or ten, I guess. I hate it when you call it the X, but it's just inevitable. So somebody fell asleep at the wheel when it came to naming all this crap too. Apple's really falling apart uh, again. Tangent. We are looking at anyone who didn't realize this. Apple today is the same Apple post first time. Steve Jobs quit because he got demoted when it was John Scully, I think was the CEO at that time. Tim Cook is just the modern Scully. The the decline. We're going to start seeing
1: iOS on Blackberries.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Sony is going to start making hackintoshes for real this time. (laughs) Uh, It's just, we're, we're seeing something. And I, and again, I've always loved Apple. I still love Mac OS. I hate the iOS creator, Morphing that it's been doing, because I want my MacBook to be my MacBook or my iMac or my Mac Mini. I love mac os. i've I've accepted iOS because it was the first one to do a friendly user interface. but there's no way you can say that Android hasn't caught up and surpassed in ways anything that iOS does. Like I got the latest iOS eleven update, and it was great to get to watch my phone become a play toy because of their new styling of everything. It feels like everything is cartoonish now and it really devalues for me the feel and the look of my phone where I can go to Android and it's, it's not like like they, but their material design isn't as great as it could be. I don't think, but at the same time I can change it if I want to, Where I can't do that on my iPhone. So I like the flexibility of that. Finally, there's a reason that flexibility, but There's no difference in the way notifications work. The app world is so close. It's been proven now that Apple gives preferential treatment to some apps on their devices that was hidden for a long time. Like if you download Uber, Uber has access to direct native APIs and processes on your phone that at this point we don't know what other apps have. And they weren't supposed to be able to do that. According to everything that Apple has told us from a developer point of view, that apps have access to a specific layer and they can't access certain native things unless it's exposed through a public API. Well, it's turned out that that's not the case. So that gives no, there's no direct advantage to being in a walled garden for iOS because of apps compared to Android because Android has the same thing and they've gotten better at their security. We're letting you know what an app can do and what it has control over. so
1: Very granular selectivity yeah. in that regard. The, the first time you launch an app you've just installed, you're asked, do you want to allow this app to have access to location? Yes or no? Audio or uh, microphone? Yes, no. Camera? Yes, no. You can, on a granular basis, select what rights you'd like to give the app, what permissions, I should say. I think that's really great. Um, yeah,
2: you, you don't get that on the iPhone.
1: Well, I you heard my iPhone experience. I, I what was it about six months ago? I got the seven plus, and I made it a little over two days with it, and I just couldn't take it anymore. There were just so many things I ran into that I felt Android did so much better, so much more efficiently, so much faster, so much easier. It, it, it just there were so many moments where I said to myself, "I really want to do this." And it would be so much easier on an Android device to do it. And you can go back and listen to one of the last couple of episodes of Michael Van Dieven's Radio wreck at com if you wanted to hear my iPhone take. You know, I gave it a legitimate try. I was really jazzed about it because, frankly, I'd become bored with the Android ecosystem and Android altogether, frankly. It's just after years of using it, there's not... Well, I can't say there's not—there aren't a lot of places to go now because they've—it's it's pretty much—everything's at parity, iOS and Android. They're, they're so close to one another. There's not really much more that can happen. That's not really what I want to say. What I really want to say is not much has happened in the last, I'd say, three years on the Android side that's particularly exciting. I just got bored with it. So I got the iPhone. I make it a couple of days— and beyond all of the annoyances that I, I encountered there, that are inherent to iOS and just simply the way it works, the phone had a dead pixel at the top of the damn screen. And that, to that would me... would drive me crazy. Well, and you know what? I, I have to say, I really, on an Apple device, find that to be unacceptable. Uh, that, that's, we're talking about a company that's so lauded for its quality control and its, its uh, aesthetics and its attention to detail and its... Willingness to give you higher levels of quality and and to charge you for that without batting an eye. That to me, I, I have never opened a mobile device, whether it's a forty dollar piece of crap Android tablet from Walmart or that seven plus that I had last year, and seen something like that. I've never seen that.
2: <clears throat> yeah. Well, have you seen with the the eight and the eight plus the quality control problems they're having with phones? popping out of their case. I mean, it's,
1: <laughs> really? Yeah. That's amazing. It's, That's it's great. Ridiculous. Well, it's because they've started using, like, real organic glue squeezed out of trees. I, I mean... Yeah. Come on. I don't well, know what's... Uh, maybe at some point they're going to start saying to themselves, is this foreign manufacturing approach... Should we be manufacturing these devices in the Western world? I, I kind of wonder... If that's not partially what is behind this move toward moving certain aspects of Apple's manufacturing process into, for example, the United States, yeah, and I'm sure works. also parts of Europe, Apple sees the writing on the wall, and they realize that this cannot go on indefinitely. At some point, they're going to have to acknowledge that the, the, the uh, supervision they have over the quality control process In China, which, by the way, is a culture where somebody will slit your throat to save a farthing. Um, I can't imagine how they have the control over these manufacturers that they need to have. Because these manufacturers themselves are also thinking about cutting costs at every step of the process.
2: Well, the other thing, too, is for every two phones of yours that they produce, they go and sell 10 others in the black market.
1: Okay, um a couple things I'd like to recommend to people. Gmail, if you uh go to your Gmail, click on the settings wheel on the top right of the window and scroll down to get add-ons. They have this new third-party add-on system that Firebub. can give you various Gmail functionality like uh you can integrate QuickBooks into it. There's a few oh, really? there are a few things you can do. I'm I'm not really sure entirely. Uh, let's see. Um you can integrate emails into Asana. I i don't know what that is. And Trello tasks Trello's as well. great. I love Trello. What is that?
2: It's a task management. So like you make lists of things and you can share them with people. Like these are the steps that you need to do to complete a process for project management. Hmm. It's, okay. a, it's one of those things where if you use it to its full effect to, to like <laughs> going back to how I are talking about smartphones, dumping stuff. Like all the things you need to do to finish a task, dump all of that into Trello so you don't have to think about it anymore, and then you use it, it's great. But if you only half use it, then you just wasted your time and you added an extra step to your process.
1: How am I going to be reminded to use the app?
2: To use Trello? Yeah, do I need another
1: app to remind me to use the Reminder app? Yeah, you do.
2: But the great thing about having it connect to your your Gmail would, would be that you can have just systematic things occur. So like if an email with a certain tag comes in in the subject, then it automatically creates a new Trello board and assigns three new tasks to it. And at some point pops up and tells you that you need to respond to this email because you've completed tasks one through three. I want to recommend Trello's really nice with if this, if this, then that too, they all work really well together to automate things.
1: Mm. Okay, well, check that out because it's not going to remain as limited as it currently is. There's going to be a lot of third-party functionality that's going to be integrated into Gmail through this feature. And I could see a lot of possibilities, like, for instance, receiving a text message on your phone whenever you receive an email that meets certain criteria. Um, Just weird things like turning a camera on in your house whenever you... Uh, receive a certain email, or whenever you send a certain email, or turning a camera on, any whatever. The possibilities here could be quite limitless. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. However, I am not optimistic because, as I've become conditioned to expect, once I find myself truly interested in this product and begin to see its full potential, Google will abandon it and tell everybody to have a nice day, as they Don't always do. So, you know what? Don't use this feature. Forget I mentioned it. In fact, delete this episode of the spec sheet from your mobile device. Thank you. I'm Michael Van Dieven. Alexa,
2: delete episode from device.
1: Alexa, catch the house on fire. Alexa,
2: call your mom. No, sorry. Alexa, call my mom. Tell her I'm
1: game. Alexa, email cockpicks to the police department. Fast. <laughs> Alexa, wanna... put out an APB on Jazmunda. Alexa, contact AdSense and deal with all of their bullcrap for me.
2: Hey Siri, delete phone. What does that do? Sorry, for that. I can't remove apps. Hey Siri, listen to the spec sheet. That's not the spec sheet you failed. Hmm. What is that?
1: It sounded like it was the intro to the train wreck show. Oh, what? Well. Hey, Siri. Who is Michael Van Dievenhoover? <laughs> <laughs> it got that all right. I want to recommend a security camera. It's $20. It's called the Wyze Cam it's all about this. I'm really interested in it. 1080p video. It's got a mag. It, it actually, you can physically aim the camera. It physically turns, which is something that my uh, 160 or $170 Samsung smart cam can't do. Um, you have the
2: Samsung drop cam?
1: I don't know if you'd call it a drop cam. It's just a little round camera with a round base. And uh, you can't even turn it. You can only point it up and down. Basically, you're, you're Michael Keaton is Batman. I've got this thing mounted on the wall in my office. I recently changed its position, and so now, because of its new position, there's an entire quadrant of my office that can't be seen if someone comes in and terrorists me. And well,
2: Why does I have a kink in my neck when my camera is the thing that won't turn its side?
1: I can't turn this thing, and I've already bolted it into the wall. I'm I'm, I'm such a tool, but... You can't know how exactly it's going to look until you do it. I didn't have anybody there to hold it on the wall for me.
2: You know, if you needed somebody, all you have to do is call. So anyway... I'll, I'll hop on a plane, come there, and I'll position your camera for you while you find the right angle.
1: The base is magnetic, so it'll stick to any metallic surface. If you want to put it somewhere where there is no metallic surface, it comes with a metal plate that you can attach the camera to at your convenience. It can send alerts, just like pretty much any modern smart camera based on motion or sound. uh, The uh, camera also comes with alert video storage. So when an event, an audio event or a movement event is detected, it will store for 14 days on a rolling basis, 15 seconds of video to the cloud, encrypted end to end, although I don't really believe in encryption. I don't think there's any such thing as encryption.
2: It's only as good as your belief that it works.
1: Well, they, they try to convince us that just through the sheer weight of math, encryption works. But I don't believe that. For instance, when OpenSSL was revealed to have had a vulnerability that the NSA knew about for two years prior to that vulnerability becoming public, I remember talking about that on the spec sheet And asking if this is the National Security Agency, is it not their job to look out for the national security of the American people? And in the course of doing so, shouldn't the American people know if OpenSSL is fundamentally flawed and broken for two years? I would think they should be apprised of that, but the NSA never thought it uh, wise to tell anybody Because it was a great opportunity to harvest a lot of information. And boy, you bet your ass they did. But uh, this camera, you get that free cloud storage, which that really is great on a 14-day rolling basis. Um, If you want to put an SD card in there, you can. It's got a microphone and a speaker, so you can use it for two-way communication. The base uh, unit costs $20 through Wise Labs, $6 shipping. And uh, the review says it's great. The video quality is good. The uh, night vision quality is good. The app and the software, the firmware and the camera itself, everything seems surprisingly solid and, and refined for a $20 device. And I am going to buy a few of these. I, I,
2: can I give you a quote from their website? This is from the wisecam.com Oh, boy, you're going to pop
1: my bubble. Here we go.
2: No, no, just listen to this. This will tell you... This, this will make you just a little weary. It, this is Forbes quotes. If Billy Mays was still alive and sold smart home tech, he'd be shouting at you about the wise cam. So this might be the... Uh, what was the thing called uh you know those dumb wallets that have like the accordion thing in it that they sold on late night tv that thing was such
1: a piece of shit i bought one at walmart when i was you know i went there to buy milk and i'm like oh i'm a douchebag i'll buy one of these too exactly i think it's a requirement
2: to listen to this podcast that you have to have owned one of these rfid blocking uh fake aluminum (laughs) accordion pieces of crap But I think Billy Mays sold that to me, so I'm really excited about this camera too because I would buy one to put all around my house to get a 360-degree view of my house if I could, especially if I can uh, connect it up to a solar uh, power collector. But that kind of scares me to see Billy Mays attached to it. That's the wrong person to quote for your cool, innovative product.
1: $20 for a 1080p remote-accessed, Web integrated camera with cloud storage on a fourteen day rolling basis. That is the Wyze Cam W Y Z E. Buy one. There's no. There's nothing to lose based on everything I've read in the review here. Even my my Samsung camera only does 720p video, and frankly, it's not particularly impressive. Oh, so- you know
2: what? Minifang just said something uh, <clears throat> really good in the chat. And White Crow, hi, Mrs. White Crow. Thanks for listening. Ah, uh, be sure to click the donate button at bellgab.com dot uh, and donate like a hundred bucks. But uh, did he
1: say that, he, or are you saying that?
2: I just said that. Oh, okay. Uh, because Mrs. White Crow probably controls the wallet for Mr. White Crow, so I thought maybe I should take that chance to. Uh,
1: well, to people say that. are people are talking.
2: Yeah. So uh, Minifang says the camera sounds hackable. And how smart is that? So you're just talking about the NSA. They're sitting around a board saying, "How can we watch more people?" And one guy says, I know, let's take about $60 worth of hardware and free software, put them together in a device and sell it for $20. People will eat it up and put it everywhere. People put it in their bathrooms. We'll know everything.
1: Yeah, but I mean, that could be... That is only being said about this device because of its price. I would think the more realistic approach to that scheme being applied to a vi- device would be device ubiquity as opposed to device price and based on device ubiquity there are any number of devices currently in that very person's home was that WR250 who said that right. who fit that fit that uh, cri- those criteria criteria perfectly whether it's his TV or phone or whatever blender you name it i mean yeah, it's all connected i wouldn't i wouldn't dis I mean, for instance, the camera in my office, I don't pick my nose in front of it. I don't I do not do anything that I don't uh, want I'm, other people sorry, to
2: sorry. Sorry to disappoint you, but from the dark web, I have seen the video, and that's... Uh...
1: I assume some bell gabber is taking screen gab, grabs of everything I do in front of that camera, just waiting for the right moment to post them all over the interwebs, and so... I would make exactly the same assumption with this camera. I mean, it is a camera, you know, and it is connected to the Internet. Those two things have loss of privacy written all over them. So whether it's a $20 camera or my Samsung camera that I am now even more unimpressed with as a result of this Wyze cam.
2: I just put four of these in my shopping cart on their website $97 for four 1080p cameras with all the features you mentioned earlier. that's ridiculous. are you gonna are
1: you actually gonna buy?
2: I'm seriously thinking about it yeah, because I want the NSA to be able to watch. I, I was already thinking about spending more than that on like a cool motorola motorola uh, baby camera that's internet connected. So why not try these out if one of them becomes the baby camera for less money, and then I can put other ones around my house. That's not a bad thing.
1: You know, I could put four or five of those up in my office and just film a sitcom. You know, a multi-camera sitcom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, you, but I have to wonder, with all of that RF soup floating around in the air, if my brain won't eventually become bacon at some Maybe, point. Maybe,
2: but that's part of the show. That's, that's the payoff of years of episodes.
1: So don't allow a $20 price tag to scare you away from a potential... NSA listening device, because I think they all are potential NSA listening devices.
2: Yeah. I would say like John C. Dvorak constantly goes on and on about all the listening devices that people willingly put in their house. And that freaks me out too, but I have an Alexa or an echo dot. My phone has Siri. My other phone has Google assistant and I can say all these different trigger words and they do stuff for me. I know they're listening to me all the time. That's, the price I'm paying, even though at the beginning of the show, I ranted like crazy about all the information we're giving to the algorithms. I think that's terrible and I hate it, but if I want to be in a starship someday or I want my kids' kids' kids to be able to be on the Enterprise and be able to talk to it, the price I have to pay is my freedom, I guess.
1: I want to ask you something that I think is right up your alley. This is the sort of thing you're really good at riffing on. Um, so we have this Alexa, which appears to me to be wildly successful. I'm seeing them just in the mainstream; they're they're popping up everywhere. I'm seeing South Park episodes featuring them. So mm-hmm. it has succeeded; it is a successful product. Google has yeah. a similar product. Actually, it's an identical product, really, in terms of with more features. And Google has access to all of these metrics connected to every single user of their products and services. So I would expect the Google offering to be far more useful, uh, far more accurate in terms of how it reacts to commands. Um, Yet Amazon has no search to connect to you. They have no phone to connect to you. They have no PC operating system to connect to you. They have... Um, let's see, they have no social network to connect to you, they have no email system to connect to you, yet that product appears to be succeeding, while I can almost guarantee you the Google alternative is going to go the way of the Nexus TV puck within a year. Why? Uh, I can answer that easily.
2: First, I'm going to start with Amazon and what they know about you. I just recently learned Uh, again, at the same place I met Mark Hamill, that there is no such thing as a homepage for Amazon. There are six, sometimes eight, depending on the time of the year in your region, variations of what a homepage could be on Amazon, but no two people have the same product show up at the same time because they have so much data on what you've searched there. For what you searched
1: for explicitly on Amazon? No, everywhere. Everywhere? (laughs) How? Because Amazon has tracking cookies all over. Are you telling me in 2017 a cookie can really still do all of that for somebody? Oh yeah, definitely. Just like AdWords does for Google,
2: the moment they put AdWords on your website, they now are getting all kind in, in Google Analytics. But you cannot have Google Analytics and have AdSense, and they're still tracking all kinds of clicks on your site. But 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 anyway, the the point here that the deviation occurs where. Google has all the same types of stuff and better and more than what Amazon has. But what Google doesn't have is something that multiple generations of humans have become Pavlog dog, like the Pavlog effect of uh, risk reward or, or not risk reward, but reward for uh, actions of buying stuff, of consumerism. So Google. They can give me information at my fingertips and give me exactly what I want. They can solve the problem of me not being able to spell or not getting the right actors together with the movie. They can they can provide me all the information I want to my fingertips and they can also connect me to things to buy stuff, but I don't buy things from Google necessarily. I know that that's not 100% correct because you get the Play Store and all of that. But in general, the consumers of the world don't go to Google to buy things. They go to Amazon to buy things. So there's this direct connection to the idea that Amazon has a real world feeling to me. So when Amazon comes out with a a crippled device that they can promote and give it massive prominence on their web store for so many people, there's buy-in quicker to that. Google doesn't have that because they don't provide things to your house. So when they come up with a device that already understands uh, profiles, voices, they know your search history, they know your email, they're connected to your smartphone, even though they have all these features, people don't think, hey, I'm going to go to the store or I'm going to go to Amazon or Best Buy or the Google Play Store and buy that really cool Google device. That's what hurts the Pixel. That's what hurt the Nexus. That's what hurts Chromecast, even though it sort of broke out of it for a little while, but it got caught up to by Apple TV and Roku. But Apple is an information company. It's not a product company. Amazon is good at selling products, and I think it's proven by the success of the Dot or the the Echo in general.
1: But all the random stuff, you, I'm still not getting this because with all of the random stuff I can sit there and throw at an Alexa device, and it seems to handle it pretty well, I just don't understand. I mean, are you saying uh, are you saying that Alexa actually is a superior experience?
2: No, okay. no the the home is a superior experience. The Google Home, but the average consumer doesn't think I'm going to go buy my devices from Google.
1: Okay, I get your point. Okay, okay, okay well that makes that. sense.
2: If and the problem is too that if Google would just. Accept that they should push all their marketing dollars to Amazon and let Amazon profit off of it. Then you'd have Google win. But mm-hmm. since they don't do that, Google's te- like they they create a feeling and an idea with their TV commercials and their web commercials on you.
1: I think I just lost you. Can you still hear me? I hear you. Yeah. Okay, now you're back.
2: Can you hear me? Yep. Go ahead. Can you hear me now? Yep, go ahead. Okay, so Google doesn't have that. It's not brick and mortar. Anymore,
1: but oh, you dropped out here. again. Go ahead.
2: Weird. I wonder why that's happening. But they don't have that experience of Google showing up at my doorstep, and I get to open a box and get a new thing. And Amazon has that.
1: You know, I think what Google needs, here's what Google needs. Google could really own the world if they would... I, this might sound nuts, but they already I, own
2: the world. they own what really matters, which is information,
1: yeah, maybe so, but I mean, in terms of physical product sales, they need stores, and these stores need to feature every Google product of which there are many, the overwhelming majority of which the average consumer has no idea exist. They can go you know in' they're and doing fe- that right no
2: yeah the this uh winner. They are going to be having pop-up stores. I'm Michael Van Diven. I host us.
1: a tech podcast. You guys all have a good evening.
2: <laughs> yeah. The whole point is to teach you about the connected home and experience. that. You mean Google that's what the
1: store is going to focus on, connected home bull crap?
2: Well, no, but, it, but it's all those devices because that's what, what it is. That's what the Google <clears> Home <throat> is. That's what the Pixel, the Chromecast, all of this stuff comes together to connect you to your home to more stuff.
1: Okay, so, so when are the stores going to open? The end of this year?
2: Yeah, because I know one's an indie, because I had to sign up for an invitation to go to it. Let me find the article. Google pop-up stores.
1: You know what they also need in these stores? They need the equivalent of a Genius Bar, but the Genius Bar in the Google Store needs to apply to everything Google, not just these physical products. If I'm having a problem with AdSense, I need to be able to go in and deal with that with them. If they provided an outlet... For people to physically walk in and deal with all issues, Google, and the people standing behind that desk had authority to, it's like when you're working in a call center, you don't want to have to train. What's the term they use in those situations? Um, To take ownership. You You want the person behind that desk standing in front of that computer monitor to be able to take ownership of any Google issue somebody could bring to them. And if they could come up with a system like that where I could walk in and do that and speak face-to-face, not only can I communicate with a human being, which has always been the Achilles heel of everything uh, Google has done, this, this perception they have of this sort of tower surrounded by a moat and you can't actually talk to anybody. You have to communicate with an algorithm, which, by the way, has even... Uh, become an even bigger problem with AdSense in the last six months. If they could do that, I think they would own the universe, absolutely.
2: Yeah, well, the thing is that Google is really working towards a point to where they don't have to answer your questions that they're already answered before you ask them. And we we live in the bumpy phases of getting towards that, so we have to deal with all the problems related to it. But there's going to be a future date when Apple, Apple, gosh, well, Apple will be owned by Google probably at that point, but, but Google won't have to have people involved because, again, they're going to anticipate or respond in a way that uses systems to learn, to deal with it all. They won't need people. Yeah,
1: That's, that's what they think they won't. It's never going to work.
2: Well, again, like, you're a Star Trek fan. I'm a Star Trek fan, too, but what do you think the costs are to get to the, the point of where you can be on a starship that practically runs itself? Like the only time people get involved is to type in some new coordinates that they probably like, I never thought about how ridiculous that is when, when you have your helmsman putting in coordinates for something, weren't those probably transmitted to the captain in some form that meet that the, that the starship itself could have just done. Like why does someone need to type in the coordinates to where they're going to go?
1: Why doesn't the starship just know where they're going to want to go?
2: Exactly. It's a Starfleet ship. It knows already what direction it needs to go and what what Starfleet has defined for its new orders. But but anyway, to get to that future to where we have this utopia, whatever it is, uh, we've got to have our systems have to keep learning from us and getting smarter. It's scary and I don't like it. But once you, you, not, not to be crazy about it, but once we reach the singularity, like, uh, Ray Kurzweil says, uh, once we hit the singularity, then all the pain points that we experience and the loss of freedom and, and the the areas where things suck, those won't matter anymore because it exponentially gets better and humans become that much more irrelevant in the process. And then you don't need a Google pop-up store because information is more important than the ability to sell a product. But right now, Amazon is better at selling products. It's the same reason why people go to Walmart to buy something cheaper, when they could go to a local store to buy it and they could support their local community. Walmart's cheaper and they're good at selling stuff.
1: Not in food.
2: But they're getting like that too, at least in my area. They they have one, they put a, a local grocery store chain that had been around for years out of business by going into pricing wars with them, including now, WalMarts are very good at connecting to farmers markets and getting more uh, farm-to-table type stuff. Not exactly that, but closer to it, and farmers markets inside their stores. That I've... they are—they're just assuming uh, Whole Foods still fights them, but that's because Whole Foods is selling a lifestyle. It's the same thing as getting an uh, Apple over an Android. They both do the exact same things now but it's a style choice.
1: Everybody should just shop at Aldi. I know there's a sort of stigma associated with that, and I can understand the reason for that, because I recall what Aldi was when I was eight years old, and I can remember my mom dragging me into that place. God, I hated it. Um, But it is not what it used to be, and I swear to you, what we just went to Aldi yesterday and spent $250 the entire bottom rack of the cart was covered with sh- shit and the cart itself was exceeding it, it was the, the the top of this stack was hovering about a foot over the top of the cart and there's no way you're going to walk into a Walmart or any of these other places and spend that no. amount of money and walk out with that much stuff but forget about just simple price in terms of quality the quality of everything there is insanely better than Walmart, particularly when you're talking about produce. That's where I think Aldi really shines. And if you, if you have an Aldi in your local area and you've not shopped there in years, if ever, give it a chance. Go in there and, and I mean, as a been, great example, they have the best bottled orange juice I've ever tasted in my life. It is just insanely good, and I think it's like a dollar fifty or dollar seventy five or some craziness. I mean, it's who knows? Maybe it's adulterated with all sorts of horrible chemicals that are going to result it's in me GMO, having no penis yeah. in nine months. I don't know, but just give it a try. Go to Aldi. For, I the, I'm the ashamed of I've... myself for having shopped at some of the places I've shopped for groceries over the years. Now that I've become entirely bought into the Aldi idea.
2: I've only ever been in Aldi's once and that's when they had Sony rebranded TVs. I'm trying to think who it was now, but they had like 32 inch or 36 inch LCD TVs that were rebranded Sonys that were in there for super cheap. And I saw online someone mentioning that and I went and bought one, but I haven't been since, but I've been to multiple times to, to events where people have, you know, food out in a snack bar or whatever and I'm eating chocolate covered pretzels and they say you know those are great aren't they and i say yeah those are great uh, and they say i got those at aldi's aldi's is really nice you should try it out if you haven't so i guess i really do need to you do that, especially that, with the family yeah that, that's exactly what's happened to me as people saying you know you, you should check it out it's not what you think it is
1: no it's not and especially staple foods um Items that are the basis of your diet, especially those sorts of items, it's really great for. So, yeah, check out Aldi. That's our spec sheet recommendation for all of you technology enthusiasts out there. Go to Aldi. (laughs) Um, On that note, I'm going to have to wrap up here soon. (laughs) It's getting late. Okay, Bad Rabbit ransomware spreading through Europe. I don't know if anybody really – I can't believe ransomware is even still a problem. I I, I don't know why we haven't found a solution to that. And uh, money? Do you own a Nintendo Switch? No, I don't. I've probably at Christmas I will. Okay, well then I we'll yeah. hold off on this conversation because I really want to hear your impressions of it. I've thought about buying one for my five-year-old because the Nintendo universe has always come across as being something that's entirely palatable to a parent who might be concerned mm-hmm. about what their what games their kids would play. But at the same time, my five-year-old and my two-year-old, each of them has watched me play Left for Dead since the day they were brought home from the <laughs> hospital, so I don't really know why I feel concerned that they would play something other than Mario. Um, actually, that just forget I even brought it up. I don't even well, know why. Well,
2: really quickly, though, with that, the, if you want to look at the history of the Switch, go look at the NVIDIA tablet, because that's what the Switch is. That really cool uh, high-powered tablet for gaming that NVIDIA came out with. Uh, and they've since abandoned, right? Yeah, because the Switch, Nintendo bought it, basically. Oh, okay.
1: Well, I'll be interested to hear your impressions of the Nintendo Switch. I th- I thought that it looked pretty innovative and like something that might actually save the company. For quite some time, it looked as though... Th- you know, I think what it was is that stupid Wii that didn't even have 1080p. or didn't even have 720p. No, it, it didn't even it have an you. HDMI port.
2: No, the Wii was a huge success and great. The Wii U was a failure at trying to put a tablet too early into people's hands. Now we're ready for it, so it's fine. It's not a problem. Wii U is what caused them problems.
1: Well, I think just like for me personally, from a perception standpoint, that was what made me say to myself, "Uh, "You know what? Nintendo does not know what they're doing in gaming. They're not going to put it." Anyway, yet. okay, that's it. we got to go. This is The Spec Sheet. I'm Michael Van Deven. He's Curtis Thornton. Everybody have a good night, Curtis. Thank you for being here. Uh, we'll try and be back soon. I don't know when the next show's going to be, but it'll be coming your way soon enough, and you'll be all excited, and we'll be excited to come to you. And, oh, by the way, uh, something I wanted to bring to your attention. Some of you may remember a couple years ago when Belgab.com started mysteriously forwarding to Coast, to Coast AM.com for about 24 hours. So I let you know that was me. I did that. You guys all have a good night.
0: We'll see you later. Bye-bye. This is The Spec Sheet.